Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Thursday, May 4th, 2023. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right. How's everyone doing? Here we go. We're speeding through another week. We're at Thursday, Thursday night. And do I have a show lined up for you? No, just kidding. I have nothing to talk about. So you're going to have to tell me what to talk about because I don't know. No, that's not true. <laughs> don't worry. I know you got a little worried there for a minute. <laughs> but no, I have plenty to talk about. And, uh, you know, it was Andrew, I think yesterday, caller Andrew, who called up and was talking about the New York City incident where there was a homeless man who was going through the train, the subway, in New York City. Now, I lived in New York City. I'm from New York City. <clears throat> so I've gone on the subway many times. I must say that even though I go back home once or twice a year, um, probably go back home again this summer, I've decided, I think the last time I was there, I didn't take the subway at all. No, I didn't take it once. I took Uber and Lyft everywhere. Expensive, but I don't think my life is worth, you know, saving a few bucks. And even being comfortable isn't worth saving a few bucks. And it's just, you know, the odds of you being killed or severely injured taking the subway, of course, is very low. But the odds of just being annoyed, just being annoyed is very high, extremely high. And so, you know, people who aren't familiar with the New York City subway, a lot of vagrants come on and off. They go from car to car and they ask for money. And many of them are very mild. You know, I'm homeless. I need help. Can anyone please help? And they walk through. Okay. They walk through pretty quickly. Who cares? Right. All right. Give them money. Don't give them money. Whatever. Many of them very thankful when you give them money. Then there are some who are a little bit more aggressive. And I consider the slightly more aggressive being the ones who go through and kind of like stop and like look at you in the eye and put their hand out, right? And you're thinking, well, I don't know, a little aggressive, right? Because what are they going to do? They can yell at me. If I don't give them money, they can give me a bad look. Are they going to mumble what homeless people sometimes mumble under their breaths when you don't give them money? You know, son of a bitch, fucking idiot. You know. Anyway, so that's a little bit more aggressive. Still, nothing dangerous. Then there are ones who come through, and they seem very much on edge. What I mean by that is they are disheveled, they smell, and they walk through, and they, they mumble or they seem incoherent. And they, uh, it's just, it's just, it's a nervous feeling that they might do something right at any moment to someone who doesn't give them money or even whatever the situation may be. And so what happens now? I've never been, I don't think I've ever been on a subway train yet where the homeless person comes through and starts screaming, you know, violently at people, but I've heard of instances where that's happened. Um, and if you look at this case in New York city, of this homeless man who came through, all the witnesses say that he was incredibly uh, belligerent, violent, belligerent, belligerent, where he was saying 
I don't care. I'm fucked up. You never know what I'm going to do. I don't, I don't care if I go to jail. So when someone says, I don't care if I go to jail, you can only assume they mean I will fuck you up and I don't care if I have to go to jail for it. What else would the homeless person be, a, be talking about when he talks about not wanting to go to jail? So this guy evidently came through. Not only did he say, I, I don't care if I go to jail, he was throwing stuff at people. He was throwing packaging and food at people, right? So it was, I think the nervousness was ratcheted up several times, right? Because he's threatening. I don't care if I go to jail. He's throwing things at people. So you can only assume that an escalation from there would be that he would violently attack somebody. Not that threatening about not want, not not caring about going back to jail or throwing stuff at people isn't violent. But I wouldn't put it on the level of I'm afraid that my, you know, if someone throws a Burger King wrapper at me, I don't feel like my life is in danger, right? But still, it's a violent act. It's a harassment, right? So evidently, it was getting worse and worse, and people were getting nervous. And so this military guy, ex-military guy, decides to try to uh, disarm the man by putting him into a toehold, right? And what happened was, I guess, you know, this is very similar to the George Floyd, where if you really look at the George Floyd tape, you look at the cop putting his foot on or, or, or knee on George Floyd's neck, that was actually a sanctioned move, a police department sanctioned move. Now, okay, if I'm the cop, would I keep it there for nine minutes? Probably not. Probably not. I would put 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 the move on and handcuff the guy and take my knee off his neck. Because I don't think it'll be even a comfortable position to be in, to be on someone's neck for nine minutes. So I think I would have done it differently. But that move that he did of the knee on the back of the neck or on the side or whatever it may be, is a police department sanctioned move. They're taught to do that because that move does not cut off the airflow. That's why they, they teach it. Now, George Floyd's toxicality report shows he was hyped up on drugs, right? So what they haven't talked about and why this officer may win on appeal is because it could very well be the drugs that were in the system that killed him, not the knee on the back of the neck. So therefore, the officer wouldn't be guilty of murder. So this could be a very similar situation, right? Well, this guy might have been on drugs. We'll see. And the drugs may have caused this to happen and not the chokehold. We'll see what happens there. But the point of the matter is that because you're homeless, and we saw this in, uh, in here in San Francisco a week ago, where these activists are now very upset because a Walgreens security guard shot and killed a supposedly a black transient or homeless trans person or whatever it may be. And uh, the person was stealing and the security guard tried to do their job for once and stop them from stealing. And the person got violent and the security guard felt their life was in danger. So they shot them dead. And there'd been no charges filed because the DA says the video shows self-defense of that caliber was necessary and warranted. Just because you're homeless or black or trans or all of the above doesn't give you the right to be a violent, belligerent person. It doesn't. You can ask for money. 
Every I can I can go out in the street now and ask for money, right? I can ask you people for money if I want. Hey, anyone got any money? Send me some Venmo. I can do that, but it doesn't give me the right to be violent and belligerent and nasty. You don't have that right. I don't have the right to make someone feel threatened. I don't have the right to make someone feel like their life is threatened because I'm homeless or black or trans or immigrant or all or illegal or all the above. That doesn't give me that right. In other words, those things don't give you rights that a white person doesn't have. It doesn't give you the rights that a homed person has. It doesn't give you the right that a, 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 a law abiding citizen doesn't have. And I don't have those rights. Okay. I don't have the right to do that. And I'd be arrested in a New York minute if I tried doing that stuff. So the fact of the matter is this whole idea of, oh, this person was trans. Oh, this was a, this was a trans black person who was homeless, who was distraught, who was this, was that. They don't have this in their life. They didn't have this growing up. It doesn't give them the right to threaten someone or punch someone or make someone feel as though their life is in danger. That doesn't give them that right. And the same thing with this New York City incident. Just because this person was homeless does not give them the right to go on a subway car and start threatening people and make them feel uncomfortable and make them feel like their lives are in danger. That's not the right. You don't have that right. Sorry. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much of an activist you are. A person doesn't have that right. So, And no one forces a person to be violent. No one forces a person to be belligerent. No one forces a person to uh, challenge someone violently. No one forces a person to go into a store and rob it. No one forces someone to go into a subway car and be belligerent. No one forces people to do this. They do it on their own. Okay. So when you do that stuff, you kind of deserve what you get. And when it comes down to it, you kind of deserve what, what happens to you because no one's forcing you to do those things, period. In fact, in cities like San Francisco and New York City, there are so many resources. Come on now, please. People are coming to these cities because of the resources they have, all right? They're coming to these Democrat-run cities because they have resources that Republican-run cities don't have, right? They get free money, they get free this, they get free that. And so to, to say you have nowhere else to go or nowhere else to turn, no, not in these cities. These cities are known, right, for these resources, which make it very welcoming for homeless people to come. So when you look at the New York City incident, you say, well, charges haven't been filed yet, but the DA is looking at it. Uh, we know that DA. And, uh, and now these uh, activists are putting pressure pressure on these on this DA to to charge this person with murder. And then you have these you know, political con artists like AOC, right, who <laughs> go around saying and tweeting these very, very dangerous tweets saying this person committed murder. No, 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 no. It's a homicide. Whenever someone dies, it's a homicide, but it's not murder until the DA charges them with murder. And even then, even though I know that Nancy Pelosi doesn't know this and AOC doesn't know this person is still even at that point, like Donald Trump, innocent until proven guilty, not guilty until proven innocent, the way Nancy Pelosi seems to think it works. It's not the way it works in this country. This isn't a communist China. All right. So 
Not yet, anyway. Not yet, anyway. If the Democrats have their way, it will be. But not yet. Not quite yet. DeSantis to the rescue. DeSantis to the rescue. So, uh, AOC puts out tweets saying, well, this person, this person committed murder. This is murder. We need to protect our homeless people. We need to protect our homeless people. We need to give them resources. Once again, telling the perpetrator is the victim and the and the victim is the perpetrator. Everything is upside down here. OK, these people in the subway car were the victims. This person came in and threatened them and was making violent threats towards them and was saying, I don't care if I go back to jail and throwing food at them. All right. And getting in their faces and making them feel uncomfortable. And that is not a memo to AOC, who probably hasn't taken the uh, subway by herself in many, many years, many, many years. Memo to AOC. The, the people in New York City who work and pay fucking high rents like here in San Francisco, they don't deserve that. That's not part of like city life, hon. OK, that's not part of like city life, babe. All right. We have to deal with this kind of. A disgusting belligerence. I don't care if it's from a homeless, trans, black, illegal Latino. It doesn't give a fuck. It doesn't matter. Okay? People, civilized people who work, who pay their taxes, who pay huge rents, don't deserve to live this kind of life. You got it? And the people are going to start fighting back because the people are getting tired. So you know what's going to happen? Maybe they're going to go a little overboard. And that's what I have spoken about on this on this show for the last two weeks, that you're going to start to get vigilante justice because the government, the police, they're not doing their job in protecting the law abiding tax paying citizens of cities like New York and San Francisco. So eventually the people who live there who decide to stay, which is few and fewer as they continue to flee to like Nashville and Texas and Florida. The ones who stay or have to stay are going to start fighting back and saying, no, we're not living like this. We're going to fight back. We're going to make you understand that your life is going to be miserable. You're the one who's going to have a miserable existence, not us. We pay our taxes. We're paying rent. We don't live free. We don't live off the government tit the way you do. All right. So AOC, as usual, can go to hell. All right fucking eight-year-old girl with no fucking brains with an IQ of about 50, if she's fucking lucky, can go to hell with her continuing to make the victims the criminals and the criminals the victims. People are tired of it. Even if the people in her district are too fucking dumb, too ignorant, too naive to kick her ass out, most people in the city are tired of it. They're tired of it. <clears throat> So taking a further look at that incident in New York, I'd have to say that, once again, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know every single fact of the case. But from what I see from the video, from what I hear from the witnesses, um, it's too bad. That's what I would say. It's too bad. It's stop acting like this. Maybe people will stop acting this way. Maybe word will get around eventually. Might take a while. There might need to be a few more of these before word gets around that you're not welcome to commit crime here. You're not welcome 
to shit on our quality of life here. You're not welcome. We're paying 5000 a month for rent. You're not paying jack shit. In fact, you're getting free money from the government. We run the city, not you, okay? If anyone's going to make the threats, it's us, not your fucking broke ass. That's the way this is going to start working. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, my anger that you hear here is going to manifest itself into more situations like this. I'm telling you, not everyone <laughs> takes out their frustrations on a podcast. Some might take them out on someone's neck. And that's the way it's going to be, baby. That's the way it's going to be until the government and the police start protecting us, until they do. Now, some people might be saying, Mike, don't blame the police because you have these cities run by Democrats who have decimated the police department. We're seeing police you know, forces down one, two, three thousand here in San Francisco. It drops by thousands every year. Many cities are down several thousands officers because the, the, the government there makes it impossible to be a policeman, whether it's the bad pay, the bad work conditions, the fact that DAs let people out scot-free after the police do their job. It could be anything. It could be they're being spit on by the residents, by the Black Lives Matter you know, morons. It could be a lot of stuff. It's a lot of different things. And so, yes, the police are in a tough spot. They're in a tough spot. But I think... If I was to give my advice to someone who dares to be a police officer, and I don't even know why someone would want to do that. I truly don't know why someone would want to be a police officer. But let's just say that you want to be a police officer, okay? That you have some idealism and you want to protect and serve and so on and so forth. What I say is ignore the politicians. Ignore the politicians. Just do your job. Protect the people. Make it easier for them to live their lives. Don't worry about all the other stuff, all right? You want to get these people on your side. You want to get these citizens of a city on your side. That's what you want to do. So you really have to do your job regardless of all the crap I know, I know you have to go through, all right? Just do it. And therefore, there'll be no onus put on you whatsoever. When people say the police are not protecting us, the police are not there. I get it. There's not enough of you. You need help. You can't be everywhere, especially when the department is just totally decimated by Democrats, by Democrat politicians. But I would say the whole idea of being demoralized, you have to try to get past that. You really do. You know, look at it as I'm sure a lot of police officers are sports fans. Think of it as a team that you root for that loses a lot. But you remain a fan and you keep watching them and that team keeps playing. Right? You have to play it out. You really do. Play it out, do the best you can, and hopefully things will turn around. Hopefully people will wake up and they'll start, God forbid, electing maybe conservatives or Republicans or at least more conservative Democrats who will fund the police department and do what needs to do to make sure the police department is, is fortified and strong. And that will happen eventually. You just got to stick with it. That's all I can say. But you don't want <laughs> there to be any blame on the police at all. You want all the blame to be on the politicians. We want all the blame to be on the politicians, the leaders of these cities who don't do what they're supposed to do with the, the for the taxpaying people who are paying their salaries to make their cities safer. So that's my advice to anyone who might be, you know, take it for what you will. My, my two cents for anyone who's a police officer or thinking about becoming um, a police officer. Ignore all. You know what? 
<laughs> this is kind of be dirty Harry. You remember Dirty Harry? Dirty Harry didn't care about the politicians. He didn't care about the corrupt, you know, uh, uh, mayor of San Francisco, right? He didn't care about any of that shit. He didn't care about the these, you know, stick up your ass politicians. He just did his job, right? He just did his job. And he went over them and around them. And that's kind of the way you got to be. It's kind of, I, I know we don't live in a movie. I get it. Okay. I understand that. I understand we don't live in a movie. But I think we're in a time now. Remember, the movie Dirty Harry came about out of the, uh, the, the increase in crime in the late 60s and early 70s when crime was really starting to take over in cities like New York and here in San Francisco, where it's based, the film. And that was kind of the result. That was like the, the Hollywood result. The, the, the result of what was going on in reality, right? And we're getting to that point again. We're getting to that point again where we're in a situation where crime is getting so bad. Tr crime is getting so bad that we need to ignore the politicians, ignore them, ignore their bullshit, ignore the Democrats' bullshit, everything about race, ignore the Democrats' bullshit about defund the police, ignore the Democrats' bullshit, this bullshit fantasy scenario they've created that police are targeting black people all over the country. Forget this bullshit scenario the Democrats talk about and just do your job, right? Do the job. Think about it. When you went in to become a police officer or if you're going to become one, just think about the reasons you're doing it or, have, or did it to begin with and just do that, basically. Everything else is going to fall into place because people are getting tired now, all right? People are getting tired of all this shit. And people are going to have your back more and more because they're afraid of getting a bullet in their own back. So things will change. Things will change. We have to stick with it and stick it up the ass of people like AOC and others who come out with this ridic these ridiculous tweets, these ridiculous tweets where they live in their virtue signaling woke world, where they're just trying to play to an audience of about, of about you know, minus 3%, the extreme minority. Just ignore them. Ignore them. These are people who simply know that their constituents are morons. Their constituents are assholes, and they'll keep on reelecting them as long as they throw out a dumb tweet, a dumb virtue signaling woke tweet every once in a while. Okay, they basically do what they can. What they said Trump did. They all do the AOCs. They all do exactly what they say Trump did. Right? They say Trump was playing to his base with his tweets, and that's what AOC and other Democrats do. They play to their audience with their tweets. And their tweets are more ridiculous because Trump's were just silly stuff, right? Silly stuff, calling people names. This is like real stuff. This is like stuff that matters. This is like policy. This is life. And it really shows the lack of empathy for someone like AOC <coughs> to say this. And, and it's, what's amazing is people always say in the subway, when you go into a subway or a lot of uh, public places in this country since 9-11. You'll see those signs that say, if you see something, say something. If you see something, say something. And so this person didn't just see something and say something. This person actually took action. All right. We're always talking about citizens taking action, not just standing by. Don't we hear that all the time, that citizens just stand by too much and don't do anything? Well, this guy actually didn't just stand by and not do anything. He actually did something. That's called being a hero. That's called being heroic. If there was an outcome that nobody wanted, that's not neither here nor there. It really is neither here nor there. He 
was the hero for getting involved, for actually taking action, for looking to protect his former, his fellow human being, his fellow citizen. And yet we have these morons like AOC shitting all over these people, basically telling people, stay out of the way. Don't get involved. You see someone getting raped? Don't do anything. You see someone getting robbed? Don't do anything. You see someone getting murdered? Don't do anything. That's what people like AOC are saying. That's what they're saying. If you see something, don't do anything. They should put up their own signs. If you see something, just mind your own business. Is that what they want? Just see something, mind your own business. No. And more and more people are going to start doing this. They're going to start actually doing something because they're just fucking tired of this. They're tired of it. All right. Well, sticking with New York City, since we're on New York City, uh, I think it's about time. It's been a couple of weeks. It's been maybe three weeks, actually, since I've done a patented and let's be heard, Mike Cachopoli, um, Eric, I'm, I'm sorry, May, Mayor Shaft, Mayor Shaft update. But it's time because Mayor Shaft did something that got me really, really pissed off. So here it is, our patented and let's be heard, Mayor Shaft update. All right, who is that man? Well, who's that man? He is Eric Adams, Mayor Shaft of New York City. Uh, you know, he'd been quiet for a few weeks, which I like. You know, as much as I enjoy doing these Mayor Shaft updates, I, I like it when, when he doesn't open his mouth. Because whenever he opens his mouth, it's usually something incredibly stupid, right? He likes to stand there with his tight suits showing off his buff body and just saying the most idiotic things. And so he couldn't, you know, stay quiet for too long. So what he's saying now is like Greg Abbott and other governors like Greg Abbott are targeting black mayors, okay, uh, by sending the illegals to these Democrat cities, okay? And he said that, let's be, he's, now he says, he, but it's not racist, okay? <laughs> he claimed, he claimed that Abbott and others like him, but he specifically targeted Greg Abbott, he said that he's sending all these illegals to black mayors. OK, so here's a black mayor saying a white governor is, is targeting black mayors. But now he's saying that statement is not racist. It's not racist. So he's saying a white guy is sending illegals, brown people to black mayors. But now he's saying but he didn't mean anything racist by saying that. So not only is he stupid, he's feckless. Of course, it's a racist statement. Of course. Of course. And, and it's also incredibly dumb. It's incredibly dumb. Let's see what Eric Adams said recently. He said, let's be clear. I never used the term racist. That was a little creative journalism that was used. But let's look at the facts. 108,000 cities in New York. Uh, 108,000. Governor Abbott sent the silent sequence to New York. Black mayor to Washington, Houston, L.A., Denver. OK, so. What a moron this guy is. Almost every big Democrat-run city 
is run by a black man or a black woman. So where else would we send these people to? There are no major Democrat-run cities that are run by white people. They're all black. So when you're talking about L.A., what are the cities you're going to send these immigrants to? Are you going to send them to bumfuck Nebraska? No, you're going to send them to New York because they're a sanctuary city with resources. You're going to send them to L.A. because they're a sanctuary city with resources. You're going to send them to San Francisco because they're a sanctuary city with resources. You're going to send them to Chicago because they're a sanctuary city with resources. Washington, D.C., the sanctuary capital city with resources. New Orleans, sanctuary city with resources. You're going to send them to the sanctuary cities that say we love and want illegals and have the resources to keep them here and give them happy, free lives on the government tit. So, of course, you're going to send them to these cities. But what Eric Adams doesn't seem to want to talk about and what the mainstream media doesn't seem to want to talk about is that all of these Democrat-run shitholes are run by black people, either black women or black men. Isn't that amazing? What a coincidence. What's the percentage of population in this country of African-Americans. What's the percentage population of African-Americans, even these cities that I just mentioned? Is it a, is it a hundred percent? Because it would have to be a hundred percent because a hundred percent of them are black, the mayors. So where's the equity there? Where's the equity? Shouldn't there be a white, a Latino, an Asian mixed in somewhere there? Maybe three whites, one Latino and an Asian if you want real equity, but no, they're all black. What a shock. What a shock that they're all black, but they are, they are Blanche. They are, and they're all fucked up. They're all shitholes. So something's not right here. You know what it could be? I know this is going to sound incredibly racist and really out there, but maybe we're not electing the most qualified people in these cities. Maybe we're just electing based on like wokeness and like affirmative action now known as identity politics. Maybe that's how we're electing people now in these cities. Maybe we're not getting the most qualified person. Maybe there might be, oh, who knows, some white person somewhere, some Asian or Latino person somewhere that's more qualified than any of these black mayors. I, don't, I know what an extreme statement. How dare I? It's, sta it's staring him literally and figuratively right in the face that all of these cities, all these Democrat shitholes are run by blacks. All of them. I can't even think of one that's not. Philadelphia. There you go. There you go. I'm being fair. Philadelphia is not. All the others are. So <laughs> that's the common denominator, Mayor Shaft. That's the common denominator. And if you're a governor of Texas or wherever it may be, or Georgia or Florida or Arizona, you have no choice but to send them to a city run by a black person. That's all that exists. All the major cities that are sanctuary cities that are welcoming, right, to illegals who have the resources are black mayors. There's nowhere else to go. He says they skipped over other cities. Why would you send... Where are you going to send them? Oklahoma City? I don't even know if that mayor's black or not. Probably not. But Oklahoma City? Where are you going to send them to? Where? Where? Kansas City, Missouri? Where? Where? What resources do they have there? Are they welcoming? Are they sanctuary cities? No. Logic says you should send the illegals 
to the sanctuary cities because they're sanctuary cities because they're welcoming to illegals. Does that not make sense, Mayor Schaff? Does that not make sense that all of these cities are run by people with your skin color? And then he has the balls, unlike myself, who talks straight and is not afraid to talk straight. He's not even he's not even man enough to admit it was a racist statement that he was saying a white guy is sending illegals to black people. The white governor is sending the illegals to black mayors. And then you say that's not a racist statement or there's nothing racial about that statement. I didn't mean anything racial about that statement. I mean, the guy has fucking no cojones whatsoever. And the, the, the most dangerous thing about most of these people like Eric Adams who run our major cities, they have no cojones and no brains. You know, I can maybe take it if you've got the cojones, but no brains, or if you got the brains, maybe, but not the cojones. But not having either shows why your city and others are such shitholes that people cannot wait to leave. They cannot wait to leave them. Don't have a sanctuary city. Get rid of. Look, if you don't want Abbott sending you the illegals, get rid of your sanctuary city status. How simple is that? Have some balls and go to the city council and get rid of that sanctuary city status. I guarantee you, if any of these mayors got rid of their sanctuary city status, Abbott would not send people to those cities. I guarantee it. But no, you want to have a sanctuary city. You want a black mayor and you want a sanctuary city. You get the illegals. It's just too bad. It's just too bad. And the people in the cities who vote this way deserve it. They deserve illegals running around their streets because they've elected these people based on identity politics who are for sanctuary city status. And so you get what you deserve. You can't like vote for these things and then say, oh, no, we don't want illegals here. No, 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 not here. So get rid of your sanctuary city status. Get rid of all of the resources, all the money, all the taxpayer money you spend on this stuff. And then Eric and then and then Abbott won't send people to you. But you know who he is. He's Mayor Shaft. And when you're Mayor Schaaf, you do these kinds of things. And that's our patented, and let's be heard, Mayor Shaft update. Hey, oh, by the way, news came in. Breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. This man who was killed on the subway, the, the, the vagrant who was threatening people, had 42 prior arrests and a long history of, now watch out, this is a shocker, mental illness. A long history of mental illness, 42, not one arrest, not 10, 42. 42 arrests. 42 times, how many times do you have to get arrested before they don't put you back out on the streets again? I don't understand. How many times do you have to be arrested before we, we say you are a lifelong criminal, you are not learning your lesson, you can't be rehabilitated, you go away forever? How many, how many does it take? I don't understand. 
How many chance? I've heard of second chances. I've heard of third chances. I've never quite heard of the term. Let's give someone 42 chances. Have you heard of that? 42 chances. So as more facts come out, the more the facts come out, the more on the side of the veteran, the, the military guy. I just, you know, facts are facts, man. Evidence is evidence. And there's no other way to look at it is that people are just tired of this. They're tired of it. But you have to start voting the right way. If you don't want a low quality of life, if you don't want illegals taking over your city, if you don't want high crime rates and so on and so forth, you're going to have to vote for people who think that way, right? You have to vote for people who actually believe in law and order, not who believe these poor people, oh, they've come from such... Oh, they've come from just poverty and they don't know any better. And we have to coddle them. And no, they're allowed, they're allowed to do things that you don't do because you know better. You know, you know better. You had a better upbringing. They didn't have that. So they deserve all these chances. They can be criminals. No, enough of that. Enough of that. That's fucking moronic thinking. Who, what kind of a moron actually thinks that way? I'm, as I talk about it, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, Mike, you're sounding dumb. Because only a moron would actually think that way. That certain people deserve opportunities and chances when it comes to crime that others don't. That's okay when a certain group of people, the way they may look or the background they come from, they deserve chance after chance where someone else doesn't. No, if you want true equity, equality, whatever E word you want to use, the law is the law. The law is the law. If I can't go around threatening people, the homeless person can't go around threatening people. If I can't go around threatening people, the black person can't go around threatening people. If I can't go around threatening people, the trans person can't go around threatening people. That's the way it works. That's equity. That's civilization. And like I said, if we're not going to get it from the politics, we're going to go through them. We're going to go through the politicians. We're going to force this on them. We're going to force civilization. We're going to force fairness. And there's nothing they're going to be able to do about it. So they might as well just continue tweeting out of their assholes because that's all they're going to have. They're not going to have anything else. The right way, our way, the right way is going to win. We're going to win. It might get a little dirty. It might get a little nasty along the way. It's the way it goes, baby. But we're going to win, period. But keep electing Eric Adams and thinking, oh, this this black guy will be better. This liberal will be better. This Democrat will be better than the last one. This woke identity politics hire will work. Although I can't say the guy before this had anything to do with <coughs> woke or identity. Well, woke, yes. Identity politics, no. With de Blasio. A tower of worthless jelly. But this guy's worse. You know, it's worse when you say, when you run on, I'm going to clean it up, right? And we've talked about Gavin Newsom, who like every time he runs, including back in 2008 when he ran for mayor of San Francisco, and says, I'm the person who's going to clean up the crap. And you don't, but you make it, you, you not only do you not do that, but you make it worse, then you're worse than the person before you because you totally lied. You said, I'm going to be the savior. I'm going to be the savior. 
And not only did you not save us, you've made things worse. So Eric Adams is worse. In my opinion, a year and a half into this, Eric Adams is worse than Bill de Blasio. He's worse because he ran on, I'm going to clean up what the last guy fucked up. I'm going to clean up his shit. I'm going to make things better. But of course, it doesn't happen. And just the opposite happens. So yes, there are more migrant buses headed to New York courtesy of Texas. And that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. If I have a house, but I don't welcome a certain people, I, I don't welcome people, right? I don't, I don't want anyone in my house. I just, I want to live in my house alone. And you have a house and your policy is everyone here is welcome. Well, if there's a bunch of people out in the street, I'm going to, in front of my house, I'm going to send them to your house because you're the one who's been saying you want everybody. I'm not a liar. I'm not a bad person. I have made it clear. No, not in my house. I want to live alone. You have said everyone's welcome in your house. So if there's 30 people outside my house, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to send you, I'm going to give you an Uber, get, get 20 Ubers, send them to that other person's house because they have said over and over and over again that they're welcoming, that they want you. So what's wrong with that? If you don't want them, Make it clear that your uh, house is closed. Make it clear that your, to me that your house is closed and that you also want to live alone. And then I'll stop sending them to you. See how simple it is when we think this out as human beings in a rational, common sense matter. Stop being so welcoming. Stop saying we want these people. <laughs> It's, it's really simple. And, and, and just getting up now, after all this has happened and you're getting all these people sent and it's a strain on your economy and it's taking up your nice four-star hotels and they're complaining that the food's not good enough in the four-star hotels and so on and so forth. And then you say, all right, stop sending them here. No, that's not good enough. Change your policy. I know Eric Adams is obviously saying stop sending them here. Many mayors have said stop sending them here. Change your policy. You're still a sanctuary city. You're not putting your money where your mouth is. Stop the sanctuary city policies. Have some balls. Go to city council and get them to do what needs to be done in ending the sanctuary city status. And then we'll stop sending them to you. It's really simple. But is that going to happen? Of course not. Because... <laughs> That would not be virtuous, folks. That would not be good enough identity politics. That would not be good enough woke politics. They couldn't do that because then their woke citizens, the woke citizens, remember, they're the ones who are the loudest, okay? They're the ones who are the loudest. They're the ones who scream and yell, no, 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 we must be a sanctuary city. We must be a sanctuary city. Hello, Vlad. Just came into the room. Thanks for coming in. Um, we want to be a sanctuary city. So these, these mayors don't have the cojones to actually change that policy, right? They don't have it. They need to keep that wokeness in order to get reelected, right? They need to have, they need to get that, that woke policy, those woke policies in order to get reelected in order to continue that virtuous virtue signaling of the left, which is just destroying the cities. It's destroying society, but they don't care. Why? It keeps them in power. 
It keeps them in power. That's all they care about. And so you know what? You're going to keep getting these people. Maybe if we send enough there, the people, your citizens, will get disgusted and vote you out and put someone else in there who will really end this, end the whole thing. So you make the decision, but stop bullshitting and saying, come on, a, a white governor is sending <laughs> immigrants to you because you're black. Stop it. You're a sanctuary city in every sanctuary city in this country. Basically, all of them are run by black mayors. So that's the way it goes. Uh, once again, this, this goes more. This next story goes into more of this urban blight here in my hometown of San Francisco. Yet another store. You've heard about Nordstrom by now. You've heard about Nordstrom Rack. You've heard about all these stores leaving. You've heard about Cold Foods closing. Now, T-Mobile is, jo- is, is closing a flagship location right here in the downtown area in San Francisco. So T-Mobile has now joined the great exodus from the San Francisco downtown shopping core by vacating its flagship store near Union Square. The vast space, it's about 17,000 square foot. It's a two level, you know, building, two level store. Was emptied out and the sign on the door directs customers to another store. A clerk told a San Francisco Chronicle reporter that the store at 1 Stockton closed, oh, about three or four weeks ago. The space at the intersection was Stockton. Let me tell you, these stores are closing so fast that we can't keep track of them. That three or four weeks after this store closes, they're finally realizing, oh, that store that was there. That's what I, I don't know if it's like this in your city, but it's like this here in San Francisco where you walk past like a, a vacant store, storefront, and you go, what was there? What was that? Let me think. I can't think. And this is something you go through a lot in San Francisco, right? You go, let me think. What was there? What was that? This is constantly happening over and over again. This space was at the intersection of Stockton. This is right. If you don't know, this is like Tourist Central Union Square, okay? This is like Times Square of San Francisco, okay? Uh, okay. The closing of T-Mobile was first reported by the San Francisco Business Times. So, once again, if you ask these people, this is a whole lot of stuff about the, the history of the store, which I don't really need to talk about. But if you ask these people why they've closed, they all say the same thing. They all say crime, COVID, and uh, just the unfeel, unfeel, not safe. Their employees not being safe, either coming, going to work, or actually even being at work. They don't feel safe. And, of course, the constant burglaries of these stores where people can run in and steal under up to a thousand dollars worth of stuff and not get arrested. Or if they get arrested, they're out the next day. So it's a misdemeanor. So that's what, that's why they close. That's why they, if you, if you're, once again, let's look at it. You have a house, your house is your, your domicile. People are constantly coming in, ransacking it and leaving. Let's say you have two or three of those a week on a good week, on a good week for you. They come in, they ransack everything, they leave. How long do you live there? How long? How long before you leave? And so that's exactly what's happening with these stores. And this is another one that bites the dust. So now what you're getting is all of this urban blight, right? This urban dystopia where everyone is basically leaving. People are leaving. Stores are leaving. And the economy is taking a nosedive. Now, what they'll say is when they say COVID, you and I know when they say COVID hurt us, they don't mean 
They don't mean the cold. They don't mean a cold virus. Because we, you and I know, because we're actually thinking human beings with brains, right? With working brains. And we know, we know that a cold can't shut a store down. A cold can't ruin the economy. We know that, right? You and I know this. Some others don't, but you and I know this. Or I, I'd say even the others know it, but they just have their own nefarious things going on. But okay, so when people say COVID locked us down, uh, killed our economy, no, no, not COVID. COVID policies, the mandates. You know why? Because COVID, the cold virus, also existed in Texas. COVID, the cold virus, also existed in in uh, Florida. Yet those places are thriving. Their economy is thriving. The nightlife is thriving. The tourism is thriving. So it's not COVID because if it was COVID, the, the, achoo, the cold, the whole country would be fucked. Florida would be fucked. Texas would be fucked. But they're not. Certain states are more fucked than others. And more, some cities are more fucked than others. The ones who closed down first, closed down first, lasted the longest were the most draconian, like here in San Francisco, like in Los Angeles, like in California. Yet I wonder, I wonder if the hair gel king of California, and everyone knows who the hair gel king, there's only one, there's only, there's only one hair gel king. We're about to have another king, right? Coronated in a couple of days. But the hair gel king of California, I wonder if he's going to go on another red state tour where he's going to talk about doing things the California way. Hey, the California way is the way to do it. Look at how great we are. Look at how great things are going. I, I don't get it, Florida. He, this, this fucking idiot, this slimy Sfachim, this slimy scumbag actually has the nerve, the cojones. We're talking about cojones a lot today. I don't know why, but he has them and he goes to Florida and he says, no, why? Why are you doing it your way? Your horrible governor, Ron DeSatan. Why are you doing it his way? You want tourism? You want a thriving economy? And we now know, if I can pull the article up, now they're like tops in education for the first time ever. I wonder why Florida, for like the first time ever, is the tops in education. Maybe because they didn't close the schools for two years. What do you think about that, slimy hair gel king of California? So why would you want that? Why do you want great tourism? Why do you want great economy? Why do you want great education? Are you crazy? Are you stupid? You need to do it the California way. The California way, where Nordstrom's is leaving, where T-Mobile is leaving, where Whole Foods can't exist, where people have, are leaving in the hundreds of thousands to Texas and Florida. That's the way you want to do it. High taxes, high rent, low quality of life. That's what you need, Florida. This son of a bitch actually goes around saying this. Now, he uses different words. He uses smoke screens and gaslighting. He doesn't talk directly like I do because he's not a man. But this is what he says, basically, when he goes around. So I wonder if he's going to continue going around saying, look, San Francisco, T-Mobile just left. Don't you want that, too? Don't you want T-Mobile to leave Florida? Why do you want why, why do you want to? You can go online. You don't need the store. You know, what do you need Whole Foods for? Our Whole Foods just closed. You don't need Whole Foods. Just go on Amazon, and order some food. What do you need to go? Go on Walmart and order Walmart.com, order some food. What do you need Whole Foods for? What do you need? Come on. You want Nordstrom and Nordstrom Rack? They just closed in San Francisco. Why? Why do you need Nordstrom and Nordstrom Rack? Go online and shop for clothes. I mean, he does all of this with a straight face, with a straight 
face because he's not playing to the voters of Florida. He's not playing to the millions of people who voted for Ron DeSantis and hate Gavin Newsom. He's playing nationally to the Democrats who were ignorant, like the ones who vote here in my city, like the ones who vote for him. That's what he's doing. He's trying to get all of these extreme leftist moron Democrats out and say, look at this guy, how, look how slick he is, how great he talks. Yeah, he's defending Democrats. Yeah, he's going after Ron DeSantis. Yeah, he's a tough guy. That's what he's doing. But he can only do it because the people he's playing to are idiots. If they weren't idiots, he wouldn't be able to get away with any of this. And of course, he has a, uh, a media which is on his side, right? Right. They're accomplices. The media are his accomplices. If he didn't have those accomplices, if he had a real media, if he had a real journalistic media, you know, who does investigative journalism and believes in facts and evidence, wouldn't be able to do this. But he can. And he continues to do it as his state continues to crumble. He doesn't care. This is why he's a slimy scumbag, not just because he gets under my skin. Although that would be enough, but because He's actually destroying his own state, which is the largest state in the country, it would be the fifth largest economy in the world, 40 million people, 5 million more people than the whole country of Canada. Do we have the numbers right here? He's destroying it because he doesn't care about people. So these people, including myself in this state, are being destroyed for his political purposes in order so he can push his political narrative. He doesn't care if we are destroyed. He doesn't care if we are tortured and buried doesn't care. This is why he's a scumbag. This is why he deserves the worst in his life. He deserves punishment. This is why, because he's destroying the lives of tens of millions of people for personal, political gain. Boy, do I hate him. I think I've come to the realization that I hate him more than anyone else. I'm always trying to, you know, People who listen to this podcast know I, I kind of play around. I think, do I hate Newsom more? Do I hate Fauci? See, Fauci's tough because I hate him too. Then there's Biden. Uh, do we give him a little bit of a pass on the hate scale because of his dementia? Maybe. Um, then there's Trudeau. Oh, God, do I despise him. So it's tough. It's tough. Between those four <laughs> of Trudeau, Newsom, <laughs> it's <laughs> Fauci and Biden. It's tough. I kind of go back and forth. But because I live under the foot of Gavin Newsom, I have to probably put him at the top of it. Probably change if I didn't live here anymore. But because I live here, I think that's my final my final, final answer. What's your final answer? Newsom. Okay. That's my final answer. As the biggest, the biggest scumbag among the scumbags. But yeah, let's see if he's going to go to another uh, tour. Toward the country, telling them how to do it. This is how you. This is how you should do it. This is how you should do it. Eric Adams. Guess we can't hate Andrew Cuomo too much anymore, right? He's actually been saying some things that make sense lately. Why do you? Why do these people wait until they're out of office to make sense? I'd like. I don't understand this. Why wait till you're out of office? to say things that make sense. Why can't you say things that make sense when you're in office? 
I know you're like I said, I know you're playing to the low common denominator in your in your base. But come on, just if you're going to say these, if you, if you have it in you to say things that make sense, just say them when you're in office. Don't say them once you're out of office. And we see it constantly. We even see it with like uh, presidential candidates, right? When they lose, the ones that lose, that after they lose, I don't know whether they loosen up or there's no pressure anymore, but then all of a sudden they start making sense and they start seeming like more like relaxed and real. This happened a lot. I remember this happening. I don't want to go too far back in time. I remember this happening with Bob Dole. He was a total ass when he was running for president. Then after, he was great. He was funny, hilarious. He was making sense. This also happened with like John Kerry, who was like this stuck-up robot when he was running. And then he loses, and he's casual again. He's making and he's having fun. Al Gore, another one. Another one. Totally robotic and not human when he was running for president. God, if he had a little bit of humanity, he probably would have had no problem go, uh, beating W where Florida wouldn't have mattered, but he was such a stuck-up fool. Then after, here he is, This I saw him on talk shows. I'm like, this is the guy. We always say, after they run and they lose, we say, this is the person that should have run. What is that? What is that? I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. But it happens over and over and over again. I'll, I'll get past San Francisco in a second, but there's just one, one more story. Oh, God. So I, I alluded to the, the issue at the Walgreens here where the trans black homeless person was killed by the security guard and there been no no charges filed. Well, of course, just like with the New York thing, the activists are trying to put like the pressure on the D.A. to do the wrong thing instead of doing the right thing. They want to put the pressure on the D.A. to do the wrong thing and use political pressure, which is, of course, it's anti-American to use political pressure to get someone indicted, okay? It's wonderful to use pressure to get policy changed, right? Legal, law-abiding, peaceful pressure. But when you try to pressure one person into changing their mind, right, because you make them afraid, like they tried to do with the Supreme Court justices, I think whenever it comes to like a specific case or a justice or the justice system, I find it incredibly threatening and anti-American what these people try to do. But that's what they try to do, right? Try to get the DA to do the wrong thing instead of the right thing. So there was, of course, a, uh, a board of supervisors meeting and there was a pro-trans. Now, what's really interesting about these people, and I think most of you noticed this, is that when you see a pro-trans activist or a BLM activist, but especially the trans activists, they're still wearing masks. So here we have a meeting this week, this week, not eight months ago, not a year and a half ago, this week at the, at the Board of Supervisors meeting. We have this person, this trans activist, and she's wearing a mask. No one else in the entire fucking room is wearing a mask. But there she is making her speech with her big orange mask on to show what a fucking idiot she is. How many levels of idiocy do these people have to try to prove? How much fucking virtue signaling do you have, wokeness virtue signaling you have to do to just prove you're a fucking total idiot? And that's what these people are. May of 2023, no one else is wearing a mask. But of course, the, the pro-trans activist is wearing a mask. 
So I've set the scene up for you, okay? You know, they're at the podium. They get a few minutes to talk. No one in the room is wearing a mask. No one's sitting there watching. None of the board of supervisors people. And remember, these are some of the most virtuous, virtue signaling woke people ever. They started wearing masks the earliest, and they took them off the latest. And still, they're not wearing masks anymore. But this pro-trans activist, because the camera's on, believe me, it's because the camera's on. When the camera's not off, this person's not wearing a mask indoors. But the camera's on. And we've seen, actually, people who are witnesses to this, where they go to these things. And they'll see these people, and once they see the camera, they'll put the mask on. Then when the camera goes off, they'll take them off, once again proving that this is all about wokeness and virtue signaling, and it's all bullshit. So here she is, but this is really, believe it or not, this is not a rant about masks. It's just that's an aside. That's an aside, okay? I digress. I digress. But what the, what the pro-trans activist, try saying that 10 times fast, was doing is she was there to protest the fact that the security guard, I guess, hasn't been charged with a crime, even though the video shows the DAs watched it, that the police officer was that the security guard was in the right just defending themselves. It was self-defense. I'll, I'll, I'll read this and I'll set this up. And I think I can I think I can play the clip. Hopefully it's not too muffled by the nurse. Let me see. OK. OK. A San Francisco Board of Supervisors meeting descended into chaos after a pro-trans activist began screaming in an effort to protest the death of Banco Brown, a black member of the transgender community who was shot and killed after allegedly trying to steal from local Walgreens. Taking the podium during the public, the board's public comments portion of the meeting, uh, a speaker identified as Leah McGeever, Leah McGeever spoke about many of the board of supervisor members before oh, hating, hating many of the board of supervisors members before launching into a nonverbal expression of pain. <laughs> I live in district six. I hate a lot of people on this board that led up for the reasons that led up to Banco Brown's death. Cause I guess, according to this trans activist, Ms. McGeever, Mr. McGeever, Ms. Ms. Mr. His, her, they, they, it, it McGeever, I guess. I don't know. Um, the, the board of supervisors in San Francisco are woke enough. There aren't left woke enough for her, for him, them, they, I don't know, who donned a mask. <laughs> the, the reporter writes, who donned a mask before speaking at the lectern. So often I prepare something, maybe it's a little historical, even maybe a little poetic, whoever. There's a lot of performative people on this board who will say one thing and support black people, homeless people, trans people, and then immediately stab you in the face, being racist, transphobic, anti-homeless. So I don't have any words prepared today. I just want you to feel our pain. Oh, listen, listen to this, folks. Listen to this. I don't know if you can at this point, based off your policy choices, but I have to pretend you have some, some, some form of empathy left. So I'm going to spend the next minute screaming. Because that's what's going on here, McGeever said, before removing a face mask. So that is what the trans genocide in this country and the city has brought me to. McGeever began screaming almost uncontrollably before taking a break to say to the board, imagine that. I hate this. I hate what you have done to us. I hate what you're doing to us. I hate you, Board of Supervisors. I hate you, London Breed. I hate you, Brooke Jenkins. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> so this person, this it, this they, who wore this mask to the podium, then takes it off to yell. 
So what's the point of wearing a mask to talk? But then when you're going to yell and you're going to start spitting, you take the mask off. This is seriously how sick these people are. These people are incredibly ill. They're really sick. I almost feel bad making fun of them, but not really. But not really. Not really. So let me see if I can cue this up. Hopefully you can hear this. I don't know. Just just for some entertainment value. Maybe you should lower your volume a little bit. But let's see if I can get this going just for entertainment purposes. Let's see if it's loud enough. No, I can't even hear it. Oh, here it is. Okay. I hate a lot of people on this Let me put this closer to the thing. For the reasons that led up to Banco Brown's death. So this is with mask on. I prepare something, maybe it's a little historical, maybe a little poetic, whatever. There's a lot of performative people on this board who will say one thing in support of black people, homeless people, trans people, and then immediately stab you in the face. Being racist, transphobic, anti-homeless. So I don't have any words prepared today. I just want you to feel our pain. I don't know if you can at this point based off your policy choices, but I have to pretend you have some form of empathy left. Okay, so the mask is coming off. The mask is coming I'm off. I'm going to spend the next minute screaming because that is what is going on in here. That is what the trans genocide in this country, in this city has brought me to. Hold on. Let me. I think I need a minute. I need a minute. <laughs> I'm gonna laugh for a minute. This is ridiculous. Oh my god. Uh, I was listening to that, by the way, for the first time with you. I had not. <laughs> my reaction is genuine. It's not. It's not prepared. I had not heard that before. Um, what's hilarious, aside from the <laughs> the screeching, is that this person has the nerve. To say that one of the supervisors is performative before doing her own little bit of performance art. What's more performative than saying, hi, I'm going to scream now. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, I'm sweating. It's, it's warm. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Well, that's what happened. <laughs> that's my city. That's my city, folks. Do you, <laughs> do you have any empathy for me? I feel like screaming like that. Maybe I should do that, but for a different reason. And I agree with her final words. I hate you, all of these people, but we, <laughs> we hate them for different reasons. We hate them for allowing people like that to exist in this city and feeling 
comfortable here and at home in this city. So I guess a lot of different people hate the Board of Supervisors. These poor people can't win. Uh, that almost made me feel bad for them. They had to sit there and take that. And I don't know if I doubt any of them laugh like I did. But I this is when I had wish I'd be on the Board of Supervisors because I would just crack up. I would have <laughs> cracked up. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. This it's, uh, it's the city so unwelcoming for trans people. The city is so unwelcoming for homeless people that they say, come here and give them free money. We give them free money. <laughs> We we put he, hers, theirs, theirs, it, they, they, it, they, <laughs> everywhere here. And this is so unwelcoming. Hey, maybe she should go to like Oklahoma City, you know? Maybe she should go to, oh, let's see. Uh, what, other, what other place can she go to? Maybe she can go to Kansas City. Maybe she can go to somewhere, anywhere in Alabama. And if she wants to see what unwelcoming... <laughs> The trans community really is to have the nerve to say that San Francisco is so unwelcoming. <laughs> These people, they really do live in their own in their own reality. They live in their own reality. It's just not it's not the real world. It's it's a uh, I don't know. It's some kind of it's it's some kind of uh, alternate universe. They live in some kind of alternate universe. And it's it's very hard to describe um, <laughs> what universe they live in because it's not the universe the rest of us live in. Okay, it's not the universe that the rest of us live in. Uh, the rest of us live in a different universe. The universe, like the the real world, the real world, and. It's not even, you know, they would talk about living in different countries, right? Remember, they would talk about the blue America, you know, the, the red America. But it's even, uh, there's more of a fissure, right? There's more of a fissure now. Because now it's like the, the, the world of reality and the world of non-reality, alternate reality, virtual reality, whatever you want to call it. I mean... Once again, I think Sarah Huckabee Sanders in the response to State of the Union said it perfectly when she said the two parties are like the party of normal and the party of crazy. But it's more than just the two parties now. It's like it's more than that. It's just our country, our our citizenry are now divided into what seems to be the world, the people living in reality and the people who are living in not reality. That's what it is, reality and not reality. And it would be, once again, I've said this before, if you're an adult, you have the right, I guess, to create the world you want, right? You're a, you want to believe certain things that aren't true, fine. This is what I, once again, even religion, I, let's take religion, something we've talked about for a very long time. If you want to believe in something, whatever it may be, you have every right. You have freedom of religion here. You just don't have the freedom to force it on me, right, to force it into policy, separation, church and state. I want separation of, of normal and crazy. I want separation of reality and not reality. But the problem is that these people who live in not reality, in crazy land, they are the ones now who seem to have more political clout than ever before, 
right? They seem to be the ones now they're emboldened to push their agenda on the rest of us, to push their religion. That's what it is, to push their religion on the rest of us and to push it into policy. And that's when I say no. That's when I say I'm going to have to fight back, that we have to fight back. I mean, it's just the way it goes at some point. And I think we're past the point now. We're seeing that we have to say we're not going to take this anymore. We're simply not going to take it anymore. You know, so. I hope I hope I really do that. You know, I laugh at this person who's screaming. I laugh at her. But unfortunately, and I have complained about this before. I live among these people. It, she's not the only one like that. I would like to tell you that in that video, people popped up and said, shut the fuck up, get the fuck out of here, go to the insane asylum. No, many of them stood there and nodded their heads or, you know, clapped, just were affirming to what she was doing. So it's not just like one person. I live among these lunatics. I live among these utter morons, these people who should be taking medication and should be in some kind of a home getting better. These are the people who I live around. Okay. I live around. I live, they live amongst me. They live amongst me. And that's the problem is that there are just too many of them. I don't know the exact number. I don't, I don't pretend people get upset when I say the, when I generalize or I say the majority, I don't know if they're the majority, but here's the problem. They certainly vote in the majority, right? Their candidates win, even though she was screaming and how much she hated London Breed. These people would vote for London Breed again. They certainly vote for London Breed over a conservative Democrat or a Republican or Libertarian, right? So they'll scream all they want about how they hate these people, but they keep on reelecting them anyway. So that's not the point. But it feels like they are the majority, okay? It feels like that. And that's really all that matters, isn't it? It feels like they are the majority here, like they are all around me, that they make life very difficult for the few of us who live in, in team reality. There's actually a group that uh, gets together once a month here in the Bay Area called team reality. We are team reality. Hey, Rohan. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for coming into the room. You guys have missed so much. You've missed so much. You missed so much. But luckily, you can always listen to the to the replay. Hey, God, you know what, you, you Andrew, you would have appreciated this more than ever. You missed my playing the tape of the uh, the trans activist screaming, screeching in horror for one minute at the uh, board of supervisors meeting. <laughs> but you can look that up. I'm not going to put the people who've listened through that again. But it's just hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. But. Yeah, this is, it's once again, it's like, I feel like the people who are not living in reality are the majority here. And that's a scary, yeah, yes, Andrew. And that's a, that's a scary situation. It really is a very scary situation, I feel, because it feels like things will never change here. It, it feels like this is the way it's always going to be. And it's getting worse. It's getting worse. I don't remember a time, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, where you'd see a trans activist going to a board of supervisors meeting and just screaming for a minute straight, right? Screaming for a minute straight. Or, you know what it is? 
It's like not being embarrassed to do that. People may have always felt that they wanted to do that, but now they're emboldened to actually do it and not feel embarrassed. I don't think there should be any repercussions. She, she gets her two minutes. She could do what she wants. But it, it's like to not be embarrassed to do that. You know why? Making my point here is that she, this person knows she'll be pat on the back. The media will pat her on the back. The other trans activists will pat her on the back. So many people will make her feel warm and cuddly and welcome and not embarrassed to do such a thing. And I think this is what we need to do. Those of us who live in reality, team reality. Yes, you're right, Andrew. They feel righteous, not embarrassment. Exactly. She felt exactly this woman in just screaming for a minute into a microphone to show her pain felt emboldened she felt righteous to do it where in a real world team reality would make her feel uncomfortable doing that right they these people people would feel uncomfortable here which is why it's such bullshit when they say they feel uncomfortable here that they're not welcome it's not the truth at all i wish it were the truth i wish it were the truth i wish the board of supervisors and the mayor made the trans people feel uncomfortable here i wish they made the homeless people feel uncomfortable i wish they made criminals feel unwelcome, but they don't. And the proof is in the pudding. The places where those people feel uncomfortable don't have those places. Do you notice that? There aren't as many of those people, whether it's trans activists or homeless or criminals in places, in states and cities where they're made to not feel comfortable there. Do you notice that? It's like, it's like a direct correlation. You know what I mean, folks? It's a direct correlation. So we need to make these people feel less comfortable. But the fact that this trans activist can say that they're not comfortable here, what that shows is not just self-righteousness or being emboldened. It shows just incredible arrogance in that, you know what? We got everything we ask for and we're going to ask for more. We're going to demand more. And if it means coming here and being belligerent and screaming for a minute to a microphone, then that's what it'll take. And this is what I have said so many times on this show. I know we're past this point now. Unfortunately, we're past the point of no return. But we've told these people, the collective, not me, not you, the collective, have told these people too often yes instead of no, like a child where a parent spoils them and they say yes all this time. Instead of no, you're not getting your way. We have been the spoiled parent. The collective have been the spoiled parent where we've told these people yes too many times and now they can't take no look there's a direct correlation here folks i'm not making this up what does a child who you've told yes to so many times do when you finally say no what do they do ah! exactly what this trans activist did she did exactly what spoiled children say when you finally, for once, for once, just one time, just one time, say no. They are spoiled. They are self-righteous. They are arrogant because we have given them too much. We've given them too much. Where they say the old adage, take a, give a thumb, they'll take a hand, take a hand, they'll take an arm. That's exactly what they do. They've taken our entire bodies. They've taken our collective souls. I don't want to sound too deep, but they've taken our collective souls. And at some point, we have to fight back. It's like having that child, you know, telling those parents, having the parents go to some kind of a, 
what do they do? They go to parenting school. They just, they learn how to say no. That's basically what we have to do now. We have to start learning to say no. And the more we say no, little by little, they'll get less and less belligerent. They'll start to accept it. Just like a child. We have to treat them just like we, this is, a, I think this is a wonderful, the word should get out. I think this is a great analogy. Treat them like we, the parent needs to treat children. You have to have discipline. You have to say no when needed. Say yes when it's, when it's okay. That's not a problem. But you can't just continue to say yes because this is what happens. They scream and yell and take tantrums when the one time people here in San Francisco, my friends, my friends, this is like the one time when the DA here in San Francisco has done the right thing. The one time things haven't gone their way. The one fucking time. And they can't take it. They can't take it. Because we've been too nice. We've been too kind. We've been too welcoming. We've been too accommodating. And this is what you get. You might not understand this if you're in one of these cities or states in this country where they're not accommodating, where they are good parents. You don't understand this. But I think you can look at it just the way a good parent would look at a spoiled child, someone else's child, and say, oh, boy, that's not working. I think you can understand that. Even if you're a good parent, you can understand what we're going through with all these bad parents, right? It's like, oh, boy, that's not the way <laughs> not the way to raise your activists, not the way to raise your activists. <laughs> and you have to keep them at bay. You have to keep them at bay. And when they deserve to be chastised, you have to chastise them. And in this case, as Andrew, I want to thank Andrew for bringing up the thing with the New York City because I've gotten more information about it with the, the New York City uh, incident on the subway. But here with the Walgreens thing, this was a trans, black, activist, homeless, whatever it may be. And they tried to rob a store and they tried to hurt the security guard and the person got killed. And so they didn't get their way. And uh, this is what happens. They didn't get their way. But, and here's another thing, folks. That life could have been saved if that person had been told no, right? Once again, it's a great analogy. When the child grows up spoiled and they become an adult and then things don't go away in life and they don't know how to deal with it, right? How if they had been told no more often, they'd be able to deal with the bumps, with the, with the bumps in the road, right? This is the same thing. We, it was the collective us, the parents, that screwed this person out of a life. Because maybe if that person had been told no, maybe if that person had understood that they can't get their way all the time, this wouldn't have happened. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have felt emboldened that they had the right to go into a store and rob it and threaten and violently harass the security guard, right? So we did that person wrong. The collective us did that person wrong by not saying no, by never telling them no. And the old, look at look at what happens. Just like that adult that has never told no when they're a child, there'll be something in life that happens, a, a punch of the gut, and it'll fuck them up forever. It's that parent's fault that they never said no. If we had said no, this person would still be alive. But we didn't. And they paid the ultimate price for never being told no. So that's a, 
I think that's a call to, uh, you know, it's a clarion call that we just have to be much, much more firm with these people. So think about it. This person goes there and she does this scream. Let's say, and look, it ain't out of the question that we give her her way. All she'll do is scream louder the next time. The next time she might do something even worse. But if we don't let her get her way, eventually it'll sink in that you just can't always have your way. And that screaming isn't going to work. Maybe next time you got to do something different, right? So it's all about teaching lessons. And if we look at it, I really think if society, the collective whole, looked at it from a, 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 uh, a parenting way, I think we'd get it. You don't want a spoiled child and you don't want, you don't want, you don't want spoiled homeless. You don't want spoiled activists who think they can just get their way. Spoiled criminals who think they can get their way all the time. Right? You can try to rob a store, but you're going to pay the consequences. Right? You're going to pay the consequences. Period. I mean, think of what, think of how spoiled they've been. I'll get off this in a second, but think of how spoiled they've been that they feel that because someone is a black trans homeless activist, that they have the right to go rob a store, that they have a right to verbally harass people, that they have a right to physically, to physically put this person, the security guard in harm, to put another human being in harm's way where they feel that their life is at stake. These people feel they have a right to do that. And we don't have a right to fight back. The security guard did not have the right to defend their life. That's what we've created here. That's what's all around me in this city. So just say no. With Nancy Reagan, I know it's a totally different subject, but just say no. I think that's that maybe we need to bring that back when it comes to how we deal with these people. Just say, no, you can't have this. You can't. You can't sexually mutilate yourself and make us think it's normal. Right. You can't uh, think you're something. You can't pretend to be a woman or a man or a dog or a cat. And we're going to say, oh, good for you. Pat on the head. We're not going to do that. We're not going to affirm your, your craziness. Right. We're not going to affirm your alternate reality. We're going to be the reality check. We're going to be the good parent and say, no, no, no. This is the right track. This is the way to be. We're going to get you help. You need help? We'll get you help. But we're not going to affirm your, your psychological disorder. It's not going to happen. We're not. We're not going to let you be violent because you have a psychological disorder. We're not going to let you be violent because you're homeless. We're not going to let you be violent because you're a minority. We're not going to let you be violent because you're a criminal. That's it. We're not going to do it anymore period. And maybe if these people start doing these things and there are these consequences like there were in that Walgreens or consequences like there were on that New York City train, eventually they'll stop. Just like the, the child who's chastised or punished or told no, they'll stop and they'll adjust and they'll be fine. But it's gone too far. So now we need some real, you know, once the, once the parent goes too far and is too lenient, maybe they got to go, sometimes you got to go overboard. What do you call it? Tough love? You know, get the kid back on track, do your job. That's what you have to do now. That's what you have to do. But it's, it's really simple. If you don't want to be 
hurt. If you don't want to be killed, don't try to commit a crime. Is that not simple? Is that not simple? No one forces you to commit the crime. No one forces you to be belligerent or to threaten someone or to try to hurt someone. No one, you do that on your own accord. Yes, bad parenting, bad parenting in many ways, but you're still doing it on your own accord. So simply don't do those things and you won't be hurt. You won't be killed. Don't do them. I think it's real simple. I, I, I don't know why people find this difficult. I don't know why people find this difficult. Whenever I've been, look, I, look, Andrew, I'm going to get to you in one second. Whenever I've been short on money in life, which is more often than not, I've never else, I've never thought about hurting somebody or going into a store and robbing. And what I've done is I've been resourceful and I've made money. It's just, it's just that little thing where you say, you know what? What do I got to do? Let's do it. All right. Uh, but this, so in other words, there is choice. There's the choice to be resourceful, be law abiding and get on your feet or a choice to try to hurt someone or rob someone. And then you must fine. Then you must face the consequences of that choice. You're on and let's be heard. How you doing, Andrew? Mark, I'm well. I hope you're well. Was there something else going on? I've been talking for an hour and a half <laughs> with no calls. I'm not sure. It just, uh, your discussion, I, what I heard about the activists that you were describing. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> You'll have to go online because I, I laughed for five minutes. I could not, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. But It's the attitude of a lot of activists that kind of annoys me. And back in 2015, when I was supporting Bernie, I saw like a split in the left. And um, there's there's certain people that kind of respect this mythological tradition of activism as mm-hmm. like this inherently moral duty right yeah but then a lot of them don't actually respect the history of at least or even care about the history of american protest and mlk and how he personally was inspired by gandhi and like mm-hmm. they, they don't actually have any kind of under i kind of sound weird about this but there's kind of a theory to it it's not just um a cathartic thing like fed by emotion and feeling self-righteous. It's a process that they developed that sacrificed themselves, their bodies, their, they went to jail. Will, yeah. like They accepted, like you were just talking about accepting consequences. Yeah, I mean, Gandhi was no, not a pacifist, but he did expect people to disobey something if they felt like that was the moral cause, the truth of the matter. Yep. But the, 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 the next step is to accept the consequences. You can disobey and you can refuse to oblige a system that is oppressing you without uh, aggressing other people and without um, basically having a retributive, like a, a retribution at the center of your uh, moral complex as you mm-hmm. go about things. And right. that's just something that's really not present in today's left-wing activists in many cases. And um, it, it is a, it does exist in some cases, but mostly it seems like a cathartic activity, a performative mm-hmm. thing. And, um, you know, it's just disappointing. It's something that you got me thinking about just as a topic in general. And I think that they would be better off if they protested in a way where if they felt a law was, you know, discriminating against them somehow, if there was a law that was passed that said, you know, People 18 and over can't have a sex change. They can't have a sex operation on their on their bodies. 
Right. And and they go and disobey that. Do they need to go bomb a, a clinic or something? I mean, this is the ideology of the KKK to go just destroy your enemy. I mean, the the idea is to like there's literally Gandhi had a word for it, Satyagrahi. It was a truth warrior. It was someone that just believed that they were right so deeply that they didn't need to use force or coercion or violence. They would just simply act the truth, right? Live their truth or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the, as, as they were being oppressed for that, society would see that that's wrong, that they're being oppressed. And if they truly were being oppressed, the society would take their side because they, Gandhi believed in the inherent good of humans. That, that, that would side with the side of good if they saw it. And that was the essence of the Satyagrahi was to demonstrate the truth of a matter through, he said, you should uh, face cannon fire with a smile. That was his philosophy because mm-hmm. it's going to prove your cause. And these people don't mostly seem to have any concept of that. It's more like the bigger disturbance. It's like, what can you get, get away with? Right. Right. We're going to, we're going to break a shop. We're going to yell at a town council meeting. We're going to X, Y, Z. And just keep pushing boundaries, and it, it's not about it's not about outcome. Well, Gandhi believed you couldn't get a good outcome out of a bad process. You can't get right. uh, you're going to get a pro- poison fruit out of a poison seed. These people don't care. But I think a lot of if you talk about Gandhi or other activists of the past, I think they understand something. And like I say, I made the parenting analogy. I think they understand something that these people don't. That you can't have everything. I mean. I, the world, the reality they live in is just mind-boggling to me that an activist, a trans activist in San Francisco, like I said, Andrew, this is not a trans activist in Mississippi or Texas or Alabama or even Florida. This is a trans activist in San Francisco, California, actually going to a board of supervisors meeting and saying, I hate you people. I hate you people. You give us nothing. It's it's absolutely Donna, and why isn't that Andrew, happening they in get Mississippi everything. if it's so bad? You would think it would be better in California. So where are the trans activists calling out against their oppression? You didn't need to look for people when they were segregating black kids out of schools. It was pretty clear. Right. You know what I mean? The, this this hunt for victimhood in places where they're most favored exactly. <laughs> is kind of um, evidence to your right. theory here that it's it's something, you know, I don't think it's exclusive to the left wing and in the broad scope of history. It's like a political movement that's out of control, essentially. And it's kind of a cultural movement, too. I mean, well, if they, if they want to see what it's really like, like I said, these people live in a total vacuum. If they want to see what it's like to actually not be welcome at all and not get anything they want, not get the women in sports, men's men and women's sports, not get the bathrooms, not get all the stuff that they get here, the, this being taught in schools, right? There's no fight against, back against that here. Um, but if they want to feel what it's really like to be not welcome, they should go to Alabama or Mississippi, or let's put it this way, like 95, 90 to 95% of this country, they're not welcome. They're in the one place where they're the most welcome anywhere in the world, probably. And for them to say, I hate you people. <laughs> I mean, you give us you give us nothing. You stab us in the face. What is she talking about? What world do they live in? Well, they live in the world where they were told no once this one time and they can't take it. But isn't that a spoiled, petulant child, Andrew? 
Isn't that what a spoiled, petulant child does? To me, it's... When you finally... They, they, when you they, say they, yes, they yes, 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 something. yes, yes. They, they think they're owed something because maybe, uh, as generous as I could possibly think, they think that these people uh, more closely align with them, so they're somehow being betrayed, right? Right. But that doesn't really sound like the case. It sounds like they're saying you've never been on our side, and well, you're continuing yeah. to not be on our side, which is kind of... Ironic. Well, she she went there and she screamed in their ears for a minute. That's not something you do to people that give you everything that are on your side basically every time. You would. That's not what you do. I mean, it's 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 they they're not living in the real world. They're living in this fantasy universe, and once again, they just can't take being told this one time no. But we're going to have to tell them no a lot more often. And I looked at your thing with New York City, right? You see, they're protesting there, right? I mean, they're protesting. Yeah, and there's so they're many protesting there, just and, distorting it. Completely. And wait a minute, but a uh, Carol Markowitz, who writes for the Post, actually tweeted today: "Hey, New York City activists, have you ever gone out once and protested people being pushed on the tracks? Have you pushed? Have you have you protested being ra- people being raped, people being killed, businesses being robbed and looted? Have you ever once come out to protest that? No. Now." They come out and protest. And I've watched your video and uh, more and more, and I'm getting more and more information. And not only yesterday, I wasn't too sure of it. And I said, well, I don't know the politics of the, the, the law, but I didn't realize that the, the, the veteran wasn't charged. And I looked at it today and I said, okay, I don't not think he moment, should be no. charged. I don't think he should be charged. Do you? Probably not. I mean, at the very most, they would have to, they could only possibly do involuntary manslaughter, like you said. And to me, you know, it's he. I would if I had to predict something, he might get charged just because the amount of attention this gets. Well, that's what I mean. That's the unfortunate thing. That's something that political pressure and activism should not be allowed to do. When you're yeah. when oh, you're pressuring like the a lawmaker, thing. when you're pressuring a lawmaker, when you're pressuring a a DA or a judge, to me that crosses the line because what you're doing is you're you're pressuring, you're making them feel they're not safe unless they do the wrong thing, and that's the problem. Um, but I, I, I don't think it should be anything. And here's the thing, Andrew. And I said this, I don't think you were here when I was saying it, but I said, we're always talking about, you know, people need to act up and do things, right? People need to take a stand. Too many people in these big cities look the other way while bad things are happening. There aren't enough heroes who actually act. And this guy acted. Now the result was, was awful. No one wanted that result. He also but, wasn't alone in acting, by the way. So this idea that he's like this crazed vigilante when there are multiple people supporting him in the act. Is... Right. But I think I think the result, even though it's death. And we, once again, we don't know. This could be a George Floyd thing where there are drugs in the system that exacerbated that whole thing. That someone without drugs in their system would not have died. But uh, it's the, 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 the death is almost tangential. The act that that veteran took was not an act of murder he wasn't trying no, he to kill. certainly wasn't of course right not. he wasn't trying thing. to kill the person so he was simply made it out like that was right. just obviously the case and it's right. it, that's why it reminded me so much of rittenhouse it's a chokehold you've got it on video you've got it's it on video hold. they the, do worse the, chokeholds than mma they choke people out all the time someone. if you if you kept it long enough you could kill someone but the point is the second that he stopped resisting and you can hear this on camera the other guy says that the man who has him in a headlock stops squeezing and they roll him on his side to help him avoid choking on his own spit. Is that the action of a murderer? Is that the, uh, 
the, the yeah. idea that he was attempting to kill him. Right. You know, Chauvin didn't do any of this. And one of the uh, one of the other cops prevented medical care from an EMT and he just got convicted as well. Yes. So right. do you think that this guy um, for all these people that are making this a parallel to George Floyd saying that he's been murdered? Are they going to also call for this other guy who assisted in restraining him to be because, you know, if this guy committed a murder, then the guy who helped accomplices, right, was an right, accomplice. Right. And those guys, and, and that guy's black, right? Right, right. Yeah. And on top so of this that whole thing, thing is just not based in reality. It's based right. on feeling and mob mentality. Exactly. hundred percent. I agree. hundred percent. Also, it's a, are they going to look at the toxicology? You know, once again, the idea of that, what killed George Floyd very may well have been the drugs he was on, not the knee on his neck. And uh, I've said that might go to a, uh, what do you call it, um, appeal. And that actually that, that cop might be released if they can prove that it was the drugs that killed George Floyd, not that legal police maneuver. Um, and that could be the same case here. There could have been drugs. Yeah, he might have kept the chokehold too long. I don't know. But uh, there might have been drugs involved also. But the fact of the matter is, is that this is a guy who would, did what we always tell people to do. You, you know, oh, you New Yorkers, we don't give a shit about your fellow New Yorker. You sit there right. and we watch things happen. This guy has actually did something that actually should be looked at as a heroic act of trying to help all those people who felt threatened, right? They felt well, their they lives were being were criminally aggressed. They were being, there's a lot of people making it out like the guy was just yelling. Right. He was not just yelling. He was criminally threatening and assaulting people. So yes. the actions this guy took were legal unquestionably up until the point where he, I think, accidentally killed him. So, I mean, right. I, I think it's pretty clear it was an accident. I think it's an accidental death. I right. mean, people, people are cleared of, of homicide all the time when it comes to accidental deaths. Yeah, whether know? or not he'll be charged, that's a different question, right? Right, right. But, but here's the thing. What happened in career? Here's the thing, Andrew. This is always the problem with these situations is that these activists, the left wing activists, the pro crime activists, they'll get their way. And yet if he's charged, our side won't come out to protest. That's the problem. You see, it's always their side. That's the loudest. Our I think, side uh, has to start generally being louder. That's true. Generally, that's true. I did see some counter protests at the Rittenhouse thing. It wasn't very big. <laughs> no, and it wasn't very big. Luckily, you know, kind of going back to your former point, point, you don't need to protest because if the law works itself out the way it should, the right result should come out without. That's true. But, you know, that, and then there's a question of how political is it and all that. You know, you're not going to get a sizable right wing or whatever you want to call it counter protest in New York, as uh, Trump found out. So, I mean. <clears throat> oh, yeah, boy. I, you know, I, you. I know. You're right in a way when you say right wing, but I don't even see this as right it's wing. Not, it's, it's not right wing. Right and wrong. That's, it's right the, and wrong. The, the loudest yeah. voice critiquing it. That's the problem is that the, to me, if more independent people would, you don't even need to con, like go all out on the idea that this guy like deserved to die or anything. This is so ridiculous. You know, it's like the idea that people are running around saying he deserved to die is a little, um, over the top, to put it mildly, in my opinion. And unfortunately, those are a lot of the same voices that are making the points you and I have made right here that are very reasonable. And it's yeah, like it's the just, right wing is a little I, too quick it's to not, celebrate it. And it's right, just it's like... Not, it's not that he deserved to die. It's not that. It's right. that it's an unfortunate consequence 
of this of his train actions. of right of this train of thought that I have the right to do this. I have a right to make people feel uncomfortable. I have a right to threaten people's lives and not face any consequences because the activists will have my you know the activists will have my back when it comes to that. To say because I'm homeless, because I'm trans, because I'm black, because I'm poor, I have a right to do something that a person who might be wealthy or white or middle class doesn't have the right to do. And people are just people are just hide, you know this Andrew, people are just hide at the crime in New York and and San Francisco, you know? And I think if people weren't so on edge and at at the end of their of their rope on this, you wouldn't see so much of this like, oh yeah, he died too bad, good for him. But it's unfortunate we're at a point now where people are just tired of this man. They're tired of it. And they want to fight yeah. back. They want to fight back. And it, you can't blame them. I want no, to fight back. It's it's becoming a problem. And it, it is a problem with the left. But the politicians way. have made this. The, this is the politicians' fault. It's not the fault of anybody. But the it's a chicken or the egg thing for me with between activists and politicians. Like, they feed into each other in a way. But the politicians have a right to slap the activists down if they want to. Right. Yeah, they do. They do. I mean, um, if I'm in that if I'm in that board of supervisors meeting and I'm a board of supervisors and that woman screams, I'll say, are you happy now? You psycho. I can say you, you what you just did is totally fucking crazy. Right. Like you should more, right. They're, they're worried about losing their constituents more than. Uh, well, yeah, rational, right. But right. it's so a politician's fault because the politicians right. do have the power to strike back and not well, the buck uh, stops here. Right. The be good parents. Here. Be good parents and say no. We're not going to allow you this to keep on doing. We're not going to allow you to keep doing this, right? We're not going to allow you to keep having your way when it's not even the right way, when it's the wrong way. We're not going to allow it. And they yeah. don't do that. And yeah, I just it's, talked about it on the show. They do it because their virtue signaling is what gets them elected, right? They're playing well, yeah, and to their that, constituents. It's yeah. so insane to me because it's, like I said, AOC calls criticism against her violence and then goes out and says that they, he all he was doing was crying for food. And it's that's the kind of thing that I really do think the, the justification or glorification of these people. And then there's so many people that just follow that. Well, she's a, an, she's a very dangerous because she's an idiot. I mean, she's low of low of low intellect, however, politically shrewd. When it comes to playing yeah. to her moron constituents, I've right? long considered her the left-wing version of Trump. Uh, very very good. similar. She uses Twitter the same way. Right. So exactly, that's the first right. thing that made me think of that. Actually, right. But I think even in a more dangerous way, because Trump was just like a child with Twitter. You know, this guy yeah. is sad. He's a loser. She doesn't do that. Her stuff no, she, is like you're right. She she really pushes really dangerous policy ideas she's a master manipulator yeah she's a master manipulator and she and she she um uh stokes the flames of racism which is very dangerous you know and, and all that stuff but and also of course trying to influence this case which she has no right to do as a politician okay as a lawmaker and as a congressperson she has no right to try to force politically force this da to do the wrong thing or to charge him right the evidence is what should decide who's charged and who's not, not, not AOC's big mouth in her tweets. So the fact of the matter is though, these people play to their audience. They know who their audience is. If their audience didn't exist, they couldn't play to them. Right. Gavin Newsom couldn't go around just doing his, his red state act, 
right? His his Red State Vaudeville Act, where he tells <laughs> red states how to be like California. If the people who like Gavin Newsom were onto him, right? If the people who didn't just accept his crap and he didn't have the audience and the that's, people in California yeah. who keep on voting for him, right? That's why, that's why I go back and forth between the chicken and the egg, between the activist base that are mostly true believers and then the kind of like idiot savants like mm-hmm. AOC mm-hmm. who just ride that wave, right? And uh, it's, uh, it gets back to the original issue I brought up of just activism having lost a, I believe, a fundamental... And it's not partisan, it's not left-wing or right-wing, right-wingers. It doesn't matter your political ideology. There is a way to do a protest that is effective, and there's a way to do a protest that is uh, self-aggrandizing and just mostly for your own emotional purposes. Right. And, on, on, um, on, there's an there's a article, I'm, maybe we'll read it tomorrow, on Mediate, and the article is simply put, AOC demands media accuse a private citizen who has not been charged with murder of murder, to me, that's more dangerous. It is dangerous. Than anything, Trump. And do you did, think she even realizes did. or cares how dangerous it is? Because I really don't think. She, I think she doesn't care, and she also doesn't even care so much that she doesn't even consider how dangerous it is. I, I honestly think it's not even a consideration. No, it's not a consideration for her. She's not. Once again, just like Gavin Newsom. His state can go to hell. He cares about himself. She doesn't care about people. She cares about herself. She cares about herself. That's what she does. You know, I, I blame that moron Joe Crowley, you know, the one who she beat yeah. in the primary for that. Because this guy, you know, was in line to be speaker. This guy, instead of Hakeem Jeffries, it would have been this moron if he didn't just get out there and fucking campaign. You know, yeah. well, knock on that, doors for a couple of weeks. That's all he would have had to do. But she, the right, that's, she that's, being the political manipulator, she she saw her opening and she got right. it. She got through, right? And there'd be no AOC if he didn't, if he wasn't so, if these if these Congress people weren't so lazy because they think they're just going to get reelected without even having to try, right? We wouldn't even have AOC right now. So this is the thing. At some point. We have to start really teaching these activists that they can't have their way on everything. They can't just literally or figuratively scream. And we're going to back down and say, okay, you can have your way now because this is so dangerous and it's only going to get worse and it'll be never ending. And we'll we'll be basically slaves to them forever. We'll be slaves to their way of life. Their alternate reality, crazy, nuthouse yeah. way of life. And I and think one way of doing that is just tell the truth. Just yeah. insist on the truth because that's all I had to do with Rittenhouse. And I feel like that's all that, you know, I'm going to call these left-wing shows and whatever and talk to them. And <laughs> that's going to be an experience. But I'm going to bring some truth over there. And wow. Really you, you've got, I've, done, I've got experience doing this. I'm, you're I'm your own glutton for punishment, aren't you? I've always had a thing for, you know, I opposed, I opposed Trump back in 2015 as he was sure. a primary candidate. I was one of the f- first people to protest him in like in Illinois in Springfield. And it was just a couple college kids, right? Like 10 college kids that drove down to Springfield to protest him. And it was this big arena. 
And like six of the kids just dropped out right there because they're surrounded by Trump supporters, right? That's mm-hmm. not the kind of crowd you generally really want to piss off when you're in the middle of them. You know, they, they're not like pacifists. <laughs> but it, um, it, I kind of got off on it. I kind of got off on the feeling of like, I'm going to piss all these people off just by saying what I think is true. And uh, they kind of assaulted us a little bit on the way out, but it wasn't that bad. And that's whether it's my side or someone else's side, I don't really care. I kind of like the heat, honestly. It's I think it's a weird derangement I have of some kind. That's all right. I know I you know, but let me tell you something. I think I've mentioned this before. I found it much easier to talk to Trump supporters than let's say Democrat this let's say during the uh, election of twenty twenty, twenty sixteen as well, I found it much easier to like Back when I was supporting Bernie Sanders, I found it much easier to have a conversation or disagreement with a Trump supporter than an establishment Democrat, i.e., a Hillary or a Biden supporter. Oh yeah, or even a left. They would not even. They wanted you canceled. They, they, they. In other words, they didn't just disagree with you; they think you're a bad person. Okay, (laughs) where Trump supporters didn't think you were a bad person, they disagreed with you, but you could talk to them. It was like you can have an adult conversation i remember i was at the nevada caucus in 2020 the last thing bernie ever won and uh it it was the nevada debate and the nevada caucus taking place at the same time and i remember i was in a hotel we were in the paris hotel that's where they had the debate and there were a trump's couple of trump supporters there and i said oh i'm a bernie supporter oh bernie blah blah blah, socialist and we just had this great conversation for like 10 minutes but then it's it's not like you're a mortal enemy no we had a great conversation for about 10 minutes about how bernie was so much better than biden and they even agreed to that and and we were just talking and having a civil conversation even though now i agree a little bit more with them than I did back then. Well, I still don't like Trump, but uh, we had a civil conversation. I couldn't have that kind of conversation with Joe Biden supporters. Well, you never know what trip wires are set. And it's not even just establishment Democrats. It's I've got a similar experience as you where the left is just full of trip wires and you never know what you're going to say that crosses it. And, you know, even left-wing pundits are constantly being told that they're using the wrong language. They're, they're yes. houseless people, not homeless people. And oh, you just please. want to hit them with a bat. I just saw, I just watched like a 10-minute George Carlin stand-up routine from like the early oh, 90s man. when he was talking about the softening of language, right? Yeah. right? Like in, the, in World War One, one thing he said was in World War One. When, when, a, when a vet came home and they were screwed up, we called it shell shock. Now it's post-traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> so he was talking about all that softening of language, which actually totally blunts what the, what the actual problem is. And could you imagine George Carlin now? I think we need him now more than ever, right? I, I really miss George Carlin. Him because he would be canceled. I mean, he... Well, <laughs> that's true. Well, I guess... Maybe being I mean, George Carlin, he'd have to catch Who liked him back yeah. in the day? It was liberals. Totally. Right? I mean, I, totally. I'm not that old. Uh, I'm only 29, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't the right-wing conservative crowd that was getting behind George Carlin. And no. these days, it would be the complete opposite. It would be the opposite. You put your finger on it, Andrew. You did. It was Right. It was all the leftists who loved George Carlin, right? The, the Woodstock crowd that loved George right. Carlin. Not now. Now they'd want him canceled, and the right wing would, would love him and adore him. 
And he'd be more right wing because of it, you know, because he would never take all this woke shit. You know, that's something he could never deal with. And there, uh, there's a zero percent chance he wouldn't say some crazy shit about trans people that would get him canceled. Like he would make a hilarious joke. Of course. Trans vocabulary. Of course. And that would be it. Yeah. Right. So it's a totally weird, fucked upside down, topsy turvy clown car world that we're living in, Andrew. And uh, all I I always enjoy talking about it with you, though. Yeah, I enjoy it. You know what? All right. Keep up the good fight going on those liberal shows, man. Better you than me. Look, I mean, if I believe there's anything good that the left is doing, then what else should I focus on than getting purging these toxic elements as much as I can? I know. I know. But like we're talking about, they just love to use these cancel words like, oh, you're a Trump supporter. You're a phobic. You're transphobic. (laughs) You're this, that. And that's something that I that's what you don't get from the Trump supporters. They don't try to use language to cancel you. They might call you a sheep. But that's about well, whatever. It. But who's that? I, I, I use that's that word just all someone time that buys a narrative. Yeah it's, yeah, it's not like you're a literal to the core evil. Right. Exactly. And yeah. and they don't try to use cancel words to end the conversation. You see, <laughs> right. they don't. Yeah. They enjoy the debate. It's not like they don't want to use these cancel words to just say, I'm ending this. Con-. This is what these people believe the leftists now. I'm ending this conversation because you are a bad, evil person and I don't want to talk to you anymore. Right. Yeah. And we're seeing this at campuses where they don't allow right wing, you know, people to talk judges that come that are appointed by Trump or evil and they don't want to listen to them. And they want to. We've seen that. Right. Denounce them and scream at them and yell at them. It's 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 scary it's, to know but it, these are the people reputation. who could be running right. the world at yeah. some point. Right. They pretty damn close to doing it right now. I <laughs> they mean, are. Exactly. Hey, Andrew. Thank you for your time, Mike. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for the call. Thanks. All right. Hour and a half. I spoke myself. The last half hour we had Andrew. Yeah. Was there was there a uh, a parade going on? I think the coronation is tomorrow, right? Anyone watching that? I'm not going to watch it. First of all, it's like two in the morning Pacific, five in the morning Eastern. So I'm not watching it live. Maybe I'll tape it. Uh, anyway, um, tomorrow. You know what? I've been remiss in talking about the Biden bribery thing, right? And I want to read more about it, but it seems to be taking hold a little bit now. You know, it's not just Fox News. It seems like Newsweek wrote about it today also. Of course, they'll excuse it, but they're actually talking about it. So you remember like the Hunter Biden thing? It took forever. It took years for the for the left-wing media to actually even say it was like a real thing. Um, so now with, with something with Biden when he was vice president and bribery and getting things done, uh, bribes for policy. And so I'll read more about it and we'll talk more about it tomorrow. We'll see your opinion on it. But the one thing I want to end with, which I find hilarious, is the Democrats, the White House coming out and saying, oh, <laughs> this is a five year long Republican witch hunt. <laughs> on Joe Biden. <laughs> they have the nerve. Once again, the theme of the night is having the cojones to do things you shouldn't be doing, but they have the cojones to say that the Democrats, the Republicans, have been coming after Joe Biden with witch hunts for five years. <laughs> this is the this is the party of Russia, 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 the steel dossier, rape, extortion, <laughs> peeing on uh, on 
on hookers. I mean, come on. Are they serious? Are they serious? This is the party that impeached Trump twice. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we'll talk more. We'll talk more about it tomorrow and some other stuff. I want to remind everyone that the name of this show is, and let's be heard, it airs weeknights, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. That's when it starts. That's when I first start talking. 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern, which means I'll see you back here tomorrow night for a big, fun-filled end of the week, Friday not show, okay? Friday night show. But until then, until then, this is Micah Chopley reminding you that your influence counts. Use it.